Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. So, before we begin, I must announce this is our 10th episode. We've made it, folks. 10 episodes so far. It's love it. And it's only getting better from here because joining me for The Upcoming's 10th episode, he is a medical student at St. George's University and an alum of UC San Diego and Grossmont College. He is skilled in the field of leadership, healthcare, and medicine, and will soon be saving lives at a hospital near you. Ladies and gentlemen, Avon Kekos. How's it going, Avon? It's going great. Thank you, Jonathan. How are you doing? Uh, I am wonderful. I am wonderful. So, Avon, one thing I usually do with my guests is I ask them to introduce themselves in a way. So, for the people who don't know, please... Indulge us, of course, besides my introduction, indulge us. Who and what exactly are you? All right. So, first of all, I would like to appreciate your introduction. Uh, beautiful. My name is Avon Kekos. I grew up in San Diego, California, and just decided when I was in high school that I'm going to pursue the career of biology and see where that takes me. So went to Granite Hills High School, right in the heart of uh, East San Diego. Then I was growing up first-generation college student, so I really had no path laid out for me. Graduated graduated high school, did not know what to do, did not apply to any university. So I went to a community college, as you uh, mentioned, Grossmont College. Uh, it's a great college, beautiful. I worked there in the admissions office there. Transferred to UCSD, got my bachelor in biology, in human uh, human biology. And from there, I'm like, well, it's time to apply to med school. And that's a story for uh, further down this episode, I guess. But yeah, applied to med school. Uh, did not want to wait. I got waitlisted for a few med schools in the U.S. And seeing that I'm passionate about this and if I wait, I might lose that passion. I applied to St. George's University, which is a school in Grenada in the Caribbean. And I so far believe that it's been a great experience. And I finished my first year, passed my classes. It does, it gets hard, but just have to keep pushing. And here I am today, starting my second year in about three days. That That is a wonderful story, Avon. So thank you so much for that Um introduction so now on to my next question what i'm actually kind of curious about uh about your time just learning medicine who was you would say a particular influence or someone an inspiration that got you the go into the uh, field of medicine well well my parents were very you know, pro-education. So they were always, um, make sure you go to school, make sure you get your education done. If that's the only way you're going to, you know, succeed in life. 
So, and I knew some doctors that are not within my immediate family, but outside that are, you know, they're nice people, they're doing well, and kind of motivate me to work hard, study, and continue with my education. I see, I see. So, so family's all about, like, you know what, education first, knowledge is power sort of thing. I feel that because, you know, my family's the the same way. And it's gotten you amazingly far, you know, being able to go to UC San Diego and take your studies to St. George's. So it's, it sounds like it's been an amazing journey. Yeah, it's, it's been definitely helpful to have someone telling you, uh, keep going. You know, you don't have an option to stop, so just keep going. And it always works out. Yes, yes, it does. All right, so on to my next question. So... You know, in the field of biology, you know, pharmacology, and anything involving people and how their bodies work, we both know it's obviously, you know, complicated. But because of that, I know there are some misconceptions about medicine and what a doctor might know about. Like, for example, like the doctor knows everything or, you know, that if you're not feeling symptoms anymore, stop taking your meds, these crazy thoughts. But um, for you, Avon... What were some misconceptions you might have had before um, studying um, biology or before going into med school and everything? Well, yes. I think one of the misconceptions I had, um, especially about doctors, is that you never really expect a doctor to be tired or have a life outside of you know, their work. You never expect them to have a bad day. Now, every time you go to your doctor's visit and you sit there and, you know, you, you see, you talk to a doctor and you're like, well, this person, I'm going to hold them to a higher standard. And um, if you do some research, you'll see that suicide and depression is very high. And people who are in the med- medical field, you know, doctors, nurses, and that's because they're put under a lot of pressure. They, a lot of times you sacrifice your family's time, your friend's time to go and, you know, study, work, whatever it is. So that was a misconception that doctors are these happy people. They make um, you know, lots of money. They're saving lives, as everyone says, and living their life to the fullest. But in reality, that's exact opposite. And... We just finished a course in med school on ethics, and one of our lectures was they we literally had to sit there in class, and they told us, you will feel burnt out. You know, 20% of you might feel like suicide might be the option for you, and this is how you have to deal with it. This is how you make sure you don't get to that spell. It's just one thing I hope people from the other sideline understand that you know we get pushed to our limits in our education and in our work and hopefully they're just more open to what goes on on the other side yeah sure that's basically basically sounds like just being like a comic book hero people think like oh man i'm having a great time saving lives and getting the best of it but it's goes it's a it's much darker than that it's much it's much more taxing emotionally, mentally. I've right. had a feeling, especially when you got to deliver like, you know, bad news or 
handle stressful things like surgery and everything. <sighs> That's definitely it. All right, so so I know that um, typically in medical school, within first two years, you go over the basics of human the human body and all that dwell within it, and before moving on to the more practical, complex side of things at hospitals and clinics. So when looking ahead at the later years of your time in medical school, especially going into hospitals and clinics, do you ever worry that what you're learning um, now might not be enough to prepare you for the real deal? Um, it will not be enough. It will not, for sure. Uh, we learn what we what I call a textbook example of how a disease should look like, how a person should look like, not not in like their you know their phenotypical way, but just how their body should act. And as you know, that every person will show the same disease a hundred different times, a hundred different ways. So they do the best they can to prepare us with what we should know if this comes up and what we do. And when it comes to real world situations, that's where we spend the last two years of med school learning how to deal with those things. Because you can sit and read a textbook, um, you know, for five, six years. If you never see a case in real life, you'll never know what to expect. So you just have to know as a medical student, as a, I think any person in the medical field, doctors, nurses, whatever they are, what they learn in school will apply, I would say, to the basics of, of cases. The rest they learn when they're doing their hands-on. The rest they learn when they're doing their hands-on. Okay. Okay, yeah. So, it seems, it seems almost kind of scary, doesn't it? Just how unpredictable um, every, like the human body really is because everybody... Um, Everybody reacts to things differently, especially like medically. Like one person may not be affected by a disease the same way another person might. I mean, we saw it with with COVID nineteen. You know how one person would be just getting hit hard with symptoms, and another might not feel any at all. That is correct. Yeah, and that's how it goes for almost all uh, other diseases you can hear of. I'm actually curious to hear your take on the COVID-19 pandemic because this has hit the whole world just in, at such a level that I don't think anyone really could have ever imagined. And the way it affected people was really just unbelievable. It was so so strange, really, how it worked. How, would, what was your, like, like main thoughts when like looking and like studying this um, uh, this this disease that was affecting everybody, COVID nineteen. What were your thoughts on it when you came across came across it? Um, so just to put that out there, you know, COVID is real. Uh, I know it went from a health problem to a political problem, and I think that's what caused all these controversies to go up. But COVID is real. It's a virus that affects many people. Um, there also another reason that people might not 
take it as seriously as, as you said, one person can get it and they can, you know, just chill, you know, lay down, they'll be fine. Another person can get it and they'll, they'll not make it. So COVID is real. Vaccinations do work. Unfortunately, also with vaccinations, they became a political drive rather than a medical or a healthcare drive. So I encourage people do your research. Don't take information that you hear from people on Facebook or even the news. Sometimes do your research, read medical research. Don't read, um, you know, Facebook posts and make your opinions based on those posts. Not sure what else um, like me to speak about that. We did learn about the virus. We did learn about what a pandemic is. And um, if you do some research for those listening, uh, we had a pandemic in 1913, I think. It was the Spanish flu. People were mandated to wear masks. You know, it, life does move on. People tend to forget. So hopefully this will you know, be part of our past as we move on. Uh, it looks like it's starting to become slowly start to become our past with the way um, restaurants are opening back up and you know masks are becoming optional and people are like getting vaccinated and you know people are starting to think less and less of covid you know i can i know without a doubt we're eager to put this whole thing behind us right and one thing that i would like to say about the vaccine and People should have a doubt when it comes to, you know, any medication or vaccine that they are putting in their body. And, and that is a good thing to know that, you know, you're taking something that works. A lot of push on the vaccine was people were saying, how can they make a vaccine in a year when it takes, you know, five to 10 years to make a vaccine that works? Uh, one thing that I want to say about that is that COVID vaccine, which at least the one we have in the U.S., are what we call a DNA RNA vaccine. And the reason that they were able to pretty much come up with a vaccine quickly is one, these vaccines are not new. They've been working on them for a while. They have not been used before simply because they are stronger than regular vaccines. They make your body react to it as if it was something that is a real, you know, pathogen. And so they've been working on it for a while. The COVID virus, which is part of the coronavirus, if, you know, that's what the name goes by. It's a virus that people studied for a year. So it just happened to be a different strain of a family that people have been studying for years. So even though COVID is new, the virus itself is not. So it's like trying to study a country and one person make, commits a crime we know a lot about that country. We might not know a lot about that person. So that's why Vaccines was able to, you know, come up in a year and it worked. And that's why a lot of things are going back to normal. And hopefully as people continue to do their research, make sure they're asking people that know about this topic and not people who don't have any education or background in health health or what, I'm not sure what you'd call it, but public health. Yeah, so before we continue to the round of questions, I just have one more follow-up question because you had talked about like how COVID and the vaccines became 
political rather than like a medical urgency. So, Avon, how do you like analyze just the the constant like back and forth politically with diseases and the means to ensure they're contained or, or and even to an extent cured? Like, how can you see that becoming further conflict or like just further drama in the uh, in the future? Um, unfortunately, it will always be an issue. And I think with COVID, uh, the timing was right on election year. So I think that is probably part of why it became so political. Um, with diseases, as you can see, vaccines are being more pushed against. And, you know, that just has to do with a lot of people who don't have the backgrounds in these giving opinions that really are not true. And people who don't do their research, they listen. And unfortunately, they change their mind. And even vaccines that are being used for hundreds of years that show their work are now being pushed against. You know, you got polio vaccines, you got measles. A lot of people are now, not a lot, but many people want to reject these vaccines as they're kind of personal rights that they should not be forced to take a vaccine. And that is a problem in the US because as a society, we focus on a person rather than a community. So I think that is going to be something that is dangerous because especially with diseases like polio and measles is that if a person is not vaccinated and they get that disease, it's, it's deadly or it can do a lot of damage. And it will affect people around them because now not they only do they not only get the disease but they also spread it. But hopefully people, you know, will not associate politics and healthcare, and you know look for the bigger picture outside. Yeah, folks, let's get rid of measles and polio. Just like we got rid of smallpox, we can. There'll be come a day where we can get rid of measles and polio too. There should be more diseases behind us. Absolutely. So, I, um, so as you walk down, so I know you talked about, you know, just the mental and emotional costs to being a doctor, Avon. So, I'm curious about something. As you walk down this, I know, stressful and high pressured path, what are some hobbies or some practices you do to keep yourself relaxed and uh, focused uh, for the job? Well, one thing that you have to do is physical work. So I always try to go to the gym by the end of my day. When you sit there for 8, 10, 12 hours reading or studying, your body you know, gets it's tired from sitting down. So personally, I use the gym. I don't live on campus. So I live about 10 minutes walking, so I usually don't take the bus. I try to walk. Just to make sure I clear my head, I also get some fresh air because I'm sitting inside all day. Mm. And other than that, just, you know, I don't have much time for any other hobbies. But gym, maybe hiking on the weekend if I have time. That's pretty much it for now. Yeah, I've seen the I've seen the campus, seen the photos of St. George University. And I got to say, it's a perfect place to go hiking and walking. You're in, you got to 
beautiful spot, honestly. Campus is gorgeous. The people here are amazing. They they know that the school provides a lot for the island, and they give back. They're amazing people. They, you know, they're safe. You can trust them. They trust you. So it's a wonderful place. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad, Avon. So I saw. Just um, going further down, I saw that you were vice president of the uh, American Medical Student Association back at uh, Grossmont College. Uh, high position, I got to say. Uh, so, you know, there's something in uh, business we call hard skills and soft skills. And I'm sure you know about those. But um, for soft skills, what are some that that role provided besides leadership that you may not have had before? What are some soft skills you gained from being vice president? With those, with that leader, with that position, I, I kind of got to know how to communicate to people and groups, which it's tough. It's hard. A lot of people, including myself, hated like public speaking or speaking to a group or making sure you say the right thing. Because if you're talking to five, 10, 20 people, every person will take a different look at what you're saying. So you want to make sure that you say something that will not affect anyone in a negative way. So I learned um, public speaking. I think that was a major thing for me. I, I know when I first had a presentation, I was sweating, shaking. And then by the time I was through the year, you know, I would stand in front of a classroom and talk. And it was like I was talking to a friend. Um, another thing is just managing. Because when you're in a vice president position, you have to work with the president. You have to work with the other uh, positions and you have to also work with your part of the uh, members communicating that information, making sure if something goes wrong, you know how to fix it or you find a way to fix it. Hmm. I see. So that really was a rewarding uh, position you were in being a vice president. Yeah, it sure was. It sure was. Nice, nice, nice. So would you recommend Leadership roles such as that for anyone becoming a doctor, given the proactivity and confidence necessary to handle a um, job like that? Definitely. I think a real a leadership role uh, for anyone, you know, whether they're going to the medical field, law, whatever they're doing, go for it. It might seem like I felt like I wasn't fit for it, but just trust me, go for it. You'll make the best of it. You will grow as a person doing what you do. And you will learn a lot also from that leadership position. And you get to make connections and people look up to you. And it's a great feeling hmm. to go for those leadership positions. You will make it work. Nice, nice. All right, folks, hear that? Leadership roles are highly recommended for whatever position you're going in. But I know you weren't just a leader um, at Grossmont College. You've also volunteered at uh, Sharp Healthcare in San Diego. Is that correct? Yes, that was my meat of the story, I would say. Nice, nice. And so you, can you tell me a time where, uh, whether you were volunteering or through your roles in schools that you made? Because uh, I know doctors, obviously one of the biggest rewards is 
bring a positive impact onto someone's life. Um, while you were volunteering, or either through um, your roles in school or anything, can you tell us a time when you made a positive impact on someone's life and how that impact affected you? Right. I would, in this case, I would like to talk about my volunteering a little. Just um, so I was a volunteer. I my position was in the emergency department, and as you know, people. I would I would work with family. So if you're if someone is in the emergency and the family is visiting, I would make sure that the family knows where the patient is. The family knows who to talk to, and it always felt nice when you know families coming in scared, worried, what's going on, and you tell them, "Well, let me walk you back to your patient." And you know that moment when they see their you know son, daughter, husband, wife sitting there, and you know, oh. They see like, oh, they're fine. They're taken care of. And they're like, well, you know, they thank you. It's just, it's a moment where you don't really see in other places when someone is worried and their worry goes away. And I think that was something that kind of stick with me and made me want to do this field and go into healthcare. Because unfortunately, there are bad times that people get bad news, but a lot of times there's good times and it's always a positive emotions that you get from there yeah so just seeing just seeing the smiles just seeing the gratitude people have just seeing just their worries go away just the joy they might feel afterwards imagine that so that just motivates you to keep doing what you're doing then correct yeah it's it's a nice feeling to have especially like I said when you know they get a call that their son had a car accident and now they don't know what's going on and they have to rush to the emergency department to make sure that their son or daughter is okay it's it's a nice feeling when they say thank you for walking us down here you know it, it, it sticks with you I'm sure it does everyone I'm sure it does so you know when studying the body, how have you, because you spent a long time just studying, you know, human biology and studying medicine and everything and how we, how the body works. So how is, how have you become, because of it, how have you become more conscious of the habits and lifestyles of maybe yourself or the people around you, especially when it comes to people around you, what's being promoted and portrayed in mainstream media or society? Right. Well, one thing is when you study medicine, you you realize how lucky we are. There is a lot of things that can go wrong and things do go wrong, either genetically, either by a mistake that can happen in a surgery or just just life happens. And you really realize that just being able to walk, talk or live normal life or what's considered normal. It's, it's a gift. It's a blessing because when you sit there and learn about every possible disease that can happen and how many millions of people it can affect, you sit there and you, you take a minute and you look back and you're like, wow, like, I'm here. Thank God I you know, don't have to go through any of the suffering that many people do. And it makes you realize that your body is fragile. You have to take care of it. You, you don't get nine lives you don't get to do this over if something goes wrong you have one time and 
make sure you take care of it. Make sure you exercise. Make sure you go easy on the drinking. Don't smoke if that's an option. If you can stop smoking, don't smoke. You know, just take care of your body. A lot of things will go wrong. And hopefully people that have the knowledge will take care of you. But things do go wrong. And you don't have a second option when they do. True, true, true. But think about, you know, things we often promote because we see, you know, commercials all the time about alcohol or I remember there used to be um, reading about how they used to be cigarette commercials all the time, even having like the Flintstones promoting smoking and everything. And even without drinking and smoking, there's still promotion of, you know, bad diets like when Carl's Jr. or McDonald's or Arby's promote their fast food and consumers like pile up by the millions and, you know, eat eat unhealthy or eat fried chicken and everything. It's just, is it ever just kind of just, kind of just, I don't know, just have you raise, raising your eyebrows at times or just like, just thinking like, oh man, these, these guys are uh, kind of making a mistake here. Right. Well, one thing with the position where where we at were like in a med med school and you know hopefully moving forward is that we don't really try to judge people on their decisions because we you know I I've, I've had a good burger before. Uh, my take on that is that with moderation you can do whatever you like. You know, if if you want if you're craving a burger, go get a burger and enjoy it make sure you go for a walk that day make sure you work out but as to answer your question is that yes these companies that promote unhealthy diets alcohol it's a business and they're looking out for their business and a lot of people fall for their business and one thing is i would want to say is that whatever you do do with moderation make sure that you eat healthy you take care of your body. If you're if you're gonna have a burger that night, maybe cut back on lunch or some dinner. Take care of your body again, and in the end, just try to enjoy what you can without pushing the limits. I see. I see. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it is just as long as you're, you know, like moderation, moderation, with moderation. People do have freedom to do as as they please. And some things, some some things just can't be judged too harshly. I'd... Right now, I did cut a lot on chips and um, sodas and stuff, knowing what they can really do to you. So, you know, I don't eat chips as much as I used to. I don't drink soda as much as I used to. I try, and, in fact, not to drink soda if I, you know, have the option of water or something else. But again, if I'm craving a can of Pepsi or Coke or whatever that is. I give that to myself because I know if I don't, then I'll just, my craving will get bigger and bigger and eventually I'll fall into making it a daily habit. So I avoid it when I can. And if it's available and I want it, I give myself some. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of back in my last job where I was often going out with folks and uh, drinking. And, you know, before I used to, um, I remember early started to hate alcohol, but as I got more accustomed to it, I started drinking uh, different kinds and 
often leaving like buzzed or tipsy and i it, the more i drank with them i more i realized oh my gosh first of all you're blowing a lot of money on alcohol so it's not a so financially it's not a healthy um habit but also just health wise period it's not a great habit so i was just like you know what after a while, I was just like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out less. I'm gonna go out less. I'm gonna drink less, and you know, I won't be, a, I won't have to pee so bad every time I um, leave a leave a bar or anything, and I feel feel have more, you know, control of myself, and and my body will feel better. So I always had control of myself whenever I left a bar, though. So that's important, folks. And that is important. It's just know your limit with anything and just enjoy it to what you can. Yeah. But, uh, if you're able to cut down on that, cut down on that, uh, place it with healthy habits. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's important to maintain just moderation. So, uh, Avon on to the next question at hand, you know, Considering that you are working, you know, with others to save lives in the future, what are some ways you found or like would want to maintain a good, albeit professional relationship with your coworkers or your classmates just to ensure that everybody is able to work together to get something done? Uh, one thing I would say is that one don't judge if someone makes a mistake understand that um, they probably did not mean to make that mistake keep a clear communication because with medicine one wrong word or one wrong number it can really hurt your patient so when it comes to your teammates to your classmates to your patients too make sure the communication is clear uh, make sure you look at things from their way if something is wrong if they make a mistake, um, make sure you work together to make sure that this will not happen again and it will not affect patients' uh, health for most. And not sure if there's anything else more important than communication and keeping a professional relationship with your staff, or your, your colleagues, with patients as well. Yeah, yeah. It definitely affects communication. This whole... I mean, we both know this this whole diagnosis and whole examination of people. It's just like a math problem, isn't it? Just one little mistake and everything's wrong. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of scary, isn't it? It is. And um, one thing that people don't realize is that a high number of people die due to medical errors. Uh, I think it's the third or the fourth leading cause of death in the world is medical errors. And a lot of it has to do with communication. You know, a doctor or a nurse or whoever did not intend, you know, purposely try to hurt a patient, but either communication went wrong somewhere and uh, a wrong medication was given. As you saw, there was a case that went on the news a few months ago about a nurse uh, and patients do die, unfortunately, and that's a leading cause of death uh, in many places worldwide. 
Wait, hang on. Can you tell us a little bit more about, for, just for the people who don't know, can you tell us a little more about this uh, story a few months ago about the nurse and uh, patient? Uh, right. So I don't know uh, the like the main details, but what happened is a doctor prescribed a medication to a patient in the hospital. A nurse, by mistake, grabbed the wrong medication, and the medication that she grabbed was... Uh, one used to pretty much, it's just like an anesthetic, it paralyzes people versus another medication that was um, totally different, just similar names, and that's where the mistake happened. And the medication was administered to the patient, fortunately it killed the patient. And uh, I believe the nurse did get um, jail time for it, which is kind of scary for both ends, you know, a, a mistake, that can end up in jail and the patient could die imagine if you're the patient and imagine if you're the doctor hopes well how careful you have to be and, and that is sometimes a good thing to understand that there is consequences for both ends uh, whether what your opinion is based on if the nurse deserved uh the sentencing she got i don't want to go into that it's it's kind of political too but just to understand that consequences arise you know, whether it's as severe as death to the patient or jail time for the person working with the patient. Oh, man, that is honestly a terrifying story. And oh, my gosh, I feel I feel bad for both the nurse and the patient, honestly, because that's just a terrible way to go out. But um, but uh, and brings up something I've also wanted to ask you about, Avon. I know we talked about, you know, moderation and about building healthy habits within the human body, but what are some facts about the body that everyone should watch out for, everyone should be aware of? Uh, well, some facts is that your lungs are affected by smoking. So I'm, I'm not sure if that's something that is, is, you know, that is public common sense. But some fact is that your body, as fragile as it is, it's also tough. It will heal. It will go through many things as long as you take care of it. We have immunity that it's fighting. We have, you know, a lot of things that our body does to keep us healthy. And a lot of people don't know or see that in this way, but... We have our immunity. I think one thing is that that is kind of uh, good to talk about when it comes to COVID is that our immunity fights viruses completely different than how it fights bacteria. And one thing I want to mention is that that's why you don't take antibiotics for a virus. You know, you got two separate immunity systems. You got what we call the innate and the adaptive. The innate system is what is your first line of defense. It kills whatever enters your body. The adaptive is kind of like an AI. It learns from those, you know, from the bacteria, the viruses that it enters your body. And once they learn, it makes it easier to kill the second time you get infected or you get that disease. Um, other facts is that we have something as, you know, uh, transplantation. We can take a heart from a donor and put it in someone else's and they can live a normal life, which is, to me, it's a miracle. 
it's, there's a lot of facts out there that I've never learned until I got to med school. Even having a biology degree from UCSD, those things you don't learn until you get into the depth of it in med school. Hmm. I see. I see. So, as you, as we reach our last questions, as you learn all these things, Avon, as you practice them, and as you carry them into the field of medicine, just going down to the long run, do you see yourself at all becoming like an educator or like a professor at all, um, teaching other people these sorts of things, these sorts of topics? To be honest with you, right now, I never really thought of teaching or, you know, just speaking to people in that sense. Um, maybe I, I think I don't have the knowledge. M- might be a reason that I don't have the knowledge now to think about it that way. Because when you teach, you have to know the topic. You know, you can't teach something that you're 80% sure of. You have to teach something that you're 100% sure of. Um, but to answer your question, I really have not thought or saw myself, you know, standing in front of people teaching a subject. I always thought of myself running around in the hospital somewhere. And, um, but yeah, it's a good topic that you ask because I've really never thought about that. Yeah, I just, I just gonna imagine, you know, just because with the human body being so fascinating, with so so many things to know about it, so many um, errors to watch out for, so many ways that you could succeed or fail. I just thought, like, you know, if you once you've spent enough time in the field and once you've gained enough experience, it's it's something you could, you know, think about doing. You know, just helping other people go down that path. So something, something to think about. That sure is for sure. Yeah. I might be an opener for me to consider that option. If one day I, um, you know, master the material and be able to teach it. Nice, nice, nice. So as we sort of conclude with our, uh, with our interview, I am um, interested in um, my second. This is my second to last question. How can one find you know excitement or appreciation um, amongst the time and energy spent just learning to be a doctor, let alone actually becoming one? I know we talked about the positive impact you have on people's lives, or just all the fascinating things you learn about it. But what else is there that can bring? you know, excitement or appreciation to the job. You do meet a lot of um, brilliant people. That's, I think, one thing that I've kind of enjoyed as my uh, journey is that you meet amazing people from all different backgrounds, from all different, you know, cultures, religions, ideologies. And it's interesting. It's You never really meet these people unless you go out there and you, you know, you step in a place where you're not comfortable and, and you grow. So that is one thing that's fascinating is that you meet a lot of great people. It, it's just crazy how things work out. You see a lot of people that you have a lot of things in common with. You see a lot of people that you would say, I would never talk to you if this was outside of school, but look at you now. You're one of my best friends. And it's just crazy how it works. Yes, 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 it is, Avon. So... 
When looking at your legacy, this is the last question. When looking at your legacy going to the future, what is something you hope people don't assume about you? What what is people what does it mean people you um don't want people to um think about you just going down into the future? That is a hard question. What I don't want people to think about me. Well, um, I'd like to take a minute just to think about that question. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. All right. Well, as you mentioned earlier, so I'm, I am in a med school that is outside of the U.S. It's um, it's in the Caribbean. And what a lot of people in our field usually think that you go to a Caribbean med school is if you uh, don't make it to a U.S. med school. And to be honest, that is true. If I was given a choice to attend a U.S. med school, I would have gone to a U.S. med school over a Caribbean med school. That's just because it makes it a lot easier for you to get a, a residency once you finish. But I don't, the thing is that I think if I was given the option, I would do this over again. It's a beautiful school I learned. Uh, I met many people from different cultures, from different countries. The one legacy I would hope that people don't assume about me is that they don't think I chose what they would think is an easier option or just to get it done with. In reality, med school here is hard, if not harder than a U.S. med school because we have to go through more hoops to get where a lot of med school uh, students in the U.S. don't have to do. And we have to work harder to prove ourselves that, yes, we went to a Caribbean med school, but I am good enough for the residency that I'm applying for. I am competitive, and I do uh, stand uh, eye to eye with someone who went to a U.S. med school, and I can prove that with my, whether it's grades or research or volunteer opportunities and so it's not an easier route if anything i think it's a harder route and I hope just people don't assume that you chose an easy way out when in reality it's the exact opposite love that love that all right folks so that is it for episode 10 of the upcoming and so i just want to give a huge thank you to Avon Kekos for um, taking the time to talk with us about uh, his experiences and his career. And so, yeah, just thank you so much, Avon. Well, thank you again, Jonathan, for the invite. I enjoyed my time, and I appreciate the questions you asked. All right. All right. You are welcome. So that is it for Episode 10 of the upcoming. Uh, be sure to tune in on Spotify for more content. We post on Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So... Catch us next week, and that is all. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the upcoming. If you like this, please sure to follow us on Spotify for more amazing content. The best is yet to come. Take care, everybody.